on, my friend? Not a lot, my dude. Happy to be here. Happy to uh, present another episode. Tonight is a, a very special one. At the end of the month, it's always our book series. Yeah, absolutely. How are you doing? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm uh, splendiferous. Indubitably. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about something actually earlier today, and uh, this is uh, something that I always follow pretty in-depthly just because of the person that I am, but uh, th- there was a, there's actually a Warshack miniseries that's uh, currently being released right now. Okay. Uh, it's been written by uh, Tom King. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, n- I did not think those titles would cross. Yeah, no, it's not yeah. exactly the uh, the person I would choose no, to do a, a Warshack book. And mm. I haven't read it yet, so I can't put any, any kind of judgment on it, whether it's good or bad, but mm. uh, from... Sources who I more or less uh, uh, agree with on, on certain things say that it's, it's, it's not good. More or less. You say yeah. 70-30 or 60-40? I'll meet you in the middle of uh, 65-35. All right, you're complicating the math. <laughs> so? It, no, actually, it's probably more 70-30. Okay, okay. And, uh, and you say they have mixed feelings on it? Uh, yeah, but mixed feelings, it's, just not, it's not good. Uh and, and it is my, most has to do with like the characterization of Warshack, and uh, that I makes mean, total that sense makes for Tom King. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. if you look at how Tom King writes a lot of his characters, there's a lot of. I mean, people argue that you know he kind of made Batman a simp, and and uh, well, and the again, brother, take kind of out. Yeah, there. Did, take kinda, <laughs> I was trying to be <laughs> diplomatic about this thing. I, I noticed. Yeah. I noticed. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, that that word doesn't really apply here. No, uh, no yeah, uh, not that way. Yeah, and but you know, here's the here's the funny thing, and and this is going to lead back to a, a a long string of thoughts and conversations that we've had so many times prior on this podcast. But I was thinking about you know Tom King and how you know some of his Batman stuff is really good, and some of it is just not. But Tom King, he has done a lot of things that are just they're, they're excellent. Uh, I think on one of our one division shorties I made mention of his vision run, uh, which sounds <laughs> like something epic, like some kind of drug induced uh, vision run, right? But no, uh, he, he did. It's what a, happens uh, before you take a vision quest? Oh, see, yep, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. He, he did a, a comic book series run on the character Vision, which was actually really good. I, I mentioned his Omega Men run, which is also really good, uh, and then also his uh, Mister Miracle run. That was the that was the first thing of his I've ever read, and that was excellent. Uh, so Tom King, he he is a great writer, and he's proven that you know time and time again. But he's also proven that with certain characters, the ones who are more kind of dark in nature, the ones who have that mystique about them, characters, characters like uh, you know Batman, or in this case Warshak, he he really can't do. And and I think that's to say that like not every writer can tackle every kind of you know, character. Like right, it, it right. takes a special kind of writer to be flexible enough to do something like that. I full heartedly agree, dude, you know. Um you know, one of my favorite authors, just to kinda like take the genre and to step outside of it and kinda look at writing introspectively mm-hmm. here. Uh one of my favorite authors of all time is Ray Bradbury, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know what he's good at. Yeah. And I've never read anything else, you know? Right. Ray Bradbury is a science fiction slash futuristic slash Horror author. Mm. And he does so in a really cool way with a lot of creativity and a lot of writing well before his time. And he does so with a lot of layered symbolism too. Like a lot of um, like philosophical inward 
glance, uh, inward aimed glances. That's how I'm gonna say that. That's so how he's dropping M bombs in his shit. Okay, I oh, see. Oh, big old M bombs. <laughs> but uh, M words, huh? In words, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, very, very, just like <laughs> introspective, deciphering what is man in these different unique moments in like either his short stories or his big known stories, whatever have you. That doesn't mean that I want to read a Ray Bradbury uh what? Romance. Right. There you go. Exactly. First off, I'm probably not going to want to read a romance. <laughs> but you get the point. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm not going to want to read... Actually, a Ray Bradbury Western sounds amazing. Mm. I might be biased. Yeah, but yeah, you get, you get be, what yeah. I'm saying. It's like... I feel like that'd be almost like Westworld-ish. It, it very yeah. much would, right? <laughs> Oof. Man, we need to call him back from the dead. Mm. Pretty, pretty sure he's passed away. <laughs> he's like, I'm still alive. I'm still here. <laughs> Sorry, Ray, my bad. Um, I'll have to look that up just to fact check myself. I love his writing, though. Yeah. You know, what, what little I know of the man, I know a lot more of his work. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, an even easier example to get behind. Fucking um, Michael Bay. I'm going to go to him when I want a fun, explosive movie oh, that yeah. has great fight scenes and great just theatrics all together. Yeah, honestly, amazing cinema, uh, cinematography. Yeah, but I'm not yeah. going to go to him when I need a suspenseful, heavy-laden, story-driven uh, yeah. movie. Nah, right. yeah. And, you know, we've made fun of this person a lot on the podcast, too, but even Taika Waititi, I think I put him in the same category as Tom King in a lot of regards because I think that Taika is a phenomenal director. He obviously is. Yeah. But you have to give them the right kind of things for them to really flourish, in my opinion. You know, I mean, a lot of people would disagree with me and say he's amazing no matter what. But I mean, I think that is for the same reason that uh, that Quentin Tarantino should not make that Star Trek movie he's trying to make. I don't think that's in his territory. I don't think that's in Quentin's realm. Uh, I'm still curious. Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to see if he can pull it off. So I'm, I'm like, hopefully looking on. Like, this is going to be weird, and I'm. I want to see it. I yeah. want to see how weird it's going to be. Now, for someone yeah. like you who, who isn't typically like a Star Trek fan, Star Trek fan, you might really love it because I might it'd be your foray into yeah. Star Wars, and you already love Quentin Tarantino. Hell but yeah. for people who who are like you know really big fans of Star no. Trek, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're looking on like, oh no, no 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 no, we do not do that here. <laughs> Please stop doing that here. You know, to kind of segue into tonight's episode, uh, yeah. another writer who is uh, phenomenal uh, at this uh, is, is, is Mr. Uh, Dematis, uh, the, the gentleman who wrote Craven's Last Hunt. Hmm. And uh, that That's is... That's a good segue, yeah. Yeah, because like uh, my first foray into his writing, uh, unbeknownst to me, was uh, uh, Justice League International, was this run that came out around the same time as Craven's Last Hunt, maybe a okay. year or so prior. Uh, but he wrote that with, I think it was Keith Giffen, another amazing writer. But that uh, that run on Justice League International is actually really, really comedic. It has a lot of really fun comedic <laughs> beats to it. And, it, like, that is his foray. He likes to write a lot of the kind of comedic stuff uh, with his comic book characters and whatnot. But with Craven's Last Hunt, uh, he's like, no, that's not what I want to do here. Yeah, he did something very different. Yeah, yeah. something extremely different. And, and of course, what he ended up making was one of the most rare, rare renowned Spider-Man stories of all time. Uh, it's, it's a classic. It's considered a classic for obvious reasons. Mm. And uh, I can't wait to get into this one tonight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So spoilers ahead, you yes, know, yes, because yes. we also mentioned it and you clicked on it. Tonight, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and a shout out to the homie Sean who messaged us mm. uh, earlier, late last year, and 
just today, my guy, we're about to hit Craven the Hunter. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. But with that being said, guys, hey, welcome to the Superhero Homies Podcast. My name is Quentin, and as always, I am here with the homie Kevin. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode. Thank you for clicking and listening. Yeah. Tonight's a book episode, so uh, definitely hit us up. Uh, let us know, you know, if you've read it and what you think about it. If you haven't read the book, feel free to listen. Nevertheless, oh, yeah. um, might pique your interest and make you want to get the book. However, just know, spoilers ahead. Oh yes, uh, indeed, so indeed. we talk that, about this in detail. Yeah, we're going to talk about this in, in detail, guys. So uh, if you haven't read Craven's Last Hunt, or if you don't want to be spoiled about this book, then we do suggest that. You pause this and, and go check out the book or read it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to recommend this book to you uh, regardless of if you you know want to hear the spoilers or not. But but definitely, if you don't want to be spoiled, then yeah, uh, hit the brakes on the podcast. Heck yeah. And there's a lot to talk about in this book yeah. particularly. Um, yeah, yeah, dude. So let's let's go ahead and just hit the gas pedal. Let's, let's, you know, let's not baby into this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there were like a few kind of uh, interesting things about about the book and about the creation process of the book that I wanted to talk about. Please, that that might actually help me out. Mm. And, and you know, there's something I gotta talk to you about as well. So hit me up with your did you know facts, <laughs> did you know? Yes, and um, educate us. So the concept for this book uh, was actually uh, originally pitched by J. M. Demattis in 1984. This is that was the first time he pitched the story. Now, Craven's Last Hunt didn't come into fruition until '87, and what happened here was that he originally pitched this uh, as a Wonder Man story, and it's going to be about Wonder Man and his uh, brother Grim Reaper, and it was going to be kind of the, a similar dichotomy as to happen in this story, but with Wonder Man and Grim Reaper. Uh, but uh, whoever the editor in chief was from Marvel at the time didn't approve it. Uh, he would try it again shortly thereafter at DC with Batman and Joker. Uh, however, uh, at the time, the, the concept was going to be a little bit different. It was going to be Joker was going to successfully kill Batman, but in doing so through a process, uh, like multiple processes of, you know, kind of understanding what he's done, it would actually drive the Joker sane. Uh, but that, uh, that hmm. concept wouldn't come to fruition until about to some years later. At the time, they definitely didn't want to do it because they were just about to release Alan Moore's Killing Joke. So, uh, yeah, that, that'd be mixed. Uh, that, yeah. So he couldn't get it off at... You can't uh, have two classics in a, in a row. Yeah, Contradictory I mean, yeah. ones, too. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, and then he yeah. was going to try it again, but with Hugo Strange in Batman, which, I mean, that, that also happened years later, like in the 90s. Mm. Uh, but at the time, couldn't do it. And so eventually he did go back to, uh, to Marvel, and uh, he pissed it again. Uh, this idea with Spider-Man, and of course, being the, the titular character behind it. And it is of my opinion that because of the success of books like The Watchmen and books like The Killing Joke and Dark Knight Returns, mm. uh, that Marvel saw that, that DC was really killing it with the dark and grim and, and kind of grounded books, even though, of course, Watchmen was Charleston at the time, but you get it. Uh, I, I think that because of the successes of those books that Marvel was like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll let you use our most popular character to get a story like this off. So yeah, go ahead and do it. And it, it took him a while to figure out who he wanted to use for the villain. Like originally, he didn't have Craven in mind. He didn't really have anyone. He was just kind of moseying around and looking through like the Marvel Encyclopedia, and was like, Craven, 
Hmm. Yeah, because at the time, Craven okay. wasn't really, he wasn't being used that often. You know, around the 80s, it was mostly about Hobgoblin, and before that, you had like Doc Ock, and right, 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 yeah, right, you know, right, the classics, right. yeah. Goblin. I mean, so. Craven is a more unknown, unsung um, antagonist of the Spider-Man world, uh, especially for the fans who are more recent fans who only have been introduced to Spider-Man via the movies uh, and Tom right. Holland, Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, and that there, there's a lot to unpack there. This was one of the first Craven stories I have read mm. where he's like stage front, right. the spotlight's on him for yes. so much of the book. Now, there's a lot of symbolic gestures made in this book. And now, guys, let me unpack for you um, the mentality I had walking into this experience and why that was wrong. Mm. So I read the title and said, oh, it's, it's uh, Craven and The Last Hunt, and obviously he's an antagonist who's out to kill Spider-Man. I see on the cover, it's great artwork here. Yes. Uh, Craven is like grimacing, like, yeah, boy, I'm out for a hunt, son. That's not how he speaks. He has a much cooler voice. <laughs> and he's got his gun, and he's, like, looking around for Spider-Man, who seems to be lurking around him, trying to, like, sneak away in safety. He's got, like, a freaking the first woolly mammoth of oh, the 21st yeah. century in, in his background. Or probably 20th century. Let's yeah. give him some time. Uh, the first and only one. He's got, like, a freaking rhino. So, he, obviously, he's an experienced and talented hunter. Um, this book wasn't as... Uh, Violence positive, as I thought it would be. I, I thought that there would be a lot more of like an action-y sequence with like some exposition and some storytelling method pushed there. There was a lot more symbolism and heavy, heavy, almost like a Shakespearean vibe to it, where everything was like a, a breakdown tragedy of self and then building that self back up. Like each character went through their own progression all of which, I, I tried to sell myself this idea, and I, I still have to toss it around my head. I don't fully believe it yet. The very beginning of the story we're about to dive into tonight, um, I thought focused a lot on pride. Mm. However, don't, don't take that too seriously, homies. Don't, don't, you know, don't take that as like, uh, if you're taking notes, don't write that down. That's purely a Kevin thought. That's me reading this thinking, okay, this is what all this reminds me of. Each character is fighting against pride, in their own way, in their own gestures. But, again, that's not, what I, that's not what I thought I'd walk into at all with this story. I thought for sure it's like, come here, Spider-Man, I'm going to kill you. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> and we're going to be like trying to like go around and kill him and like threatening his family to kill him. And it's like all kinds of crazy shit. Not at all. Yeah, yeah, no. no. Uh, th- th- very, that is- very story heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Craven's Last Hunt is, uh, I, I mean, the, this story, in, in my opinion, it does belong up there. And what I've often referred to as the Renaissance era for comic books, that mm. being the, the mid to late 80s, uh, those comic books that show that, hey, comics just aren't for little kids. Comics just aren't things that melt your brain or whatever the hell parents said back in the day. Uh, comics aren't of the devil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Books like like this, I think, does belong up there with the likes of your uh, your, your Frank Miller's and your Alan Moore's. Yeah, and actually, the, the storytelling, like the tone of this, really hit some key notes with me with uh, relative to the book uh, Marvels, which oh. we covered actually in a, uh, a you know 
a not so long ago episode here on the show right. where they focus so much on like the methodology of the storytelling and mm. more on like the heavy thought provocative layers of, of wordplay rather than the events and the happenings so forth, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that's going to make a lot more sense as we dive into the actual uh, chapters here tonight. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, like to me, Craven the Slash Hunt, it it always represented like a story of, of fear and overcoming that fear. Uh, yeah. Because for for the, the three characters that we're going to look at here in this story, the, the three primary characters that we look at here in this story are all in some way, shape, or form facing a fear and the way that they deal with it. You know, it's funny your interpretation went that way. Yeah. Because, um, like you're saying, fear, I said pride. Mm. And I don't think either of us are wrong. Mm. Yeah, I, I just think that um, there's a lot to unpack in this story. Yeah. Yeah. It, it goes a very interesting, very thought-provoking direction. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But yeah, dude, uh, I, I think that's enough uh, foreplay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, just a tad bit more, and then I promise we'll get to it. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and that is, uh, so the... It was almost two years ago uh, when I when I got this this edition. I got this edition. I think as it came out, uh, the deluxe edition. That sounds is. about right. Yeah. yeah, sounds about right for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I I knew I wanted to collect uh, Craven's Last Hunt in some regard. I thought it'd be in an omnibus format. Uh, give me one second. Just because um, uh, Craven's Last Hunt is uh, such a great story, but. I always knew that I, for those of you who collect Omnis, it's really hard to get Peter Parker-driven Spider-Man Omnis. Those things come and go very quickly, mm-hmm. uh, and and Marvel never produces enough of them. But uh, oh, they know better. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I got to say, guys, uh, with Craven's Last Hunt Deluxe Edition, this is this is one of my more preferred favorite deluxe editions that I own. Uh, and, uh, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I have quite a few deluxe editions here. Uh, so th- this oversized hardcover includes what I would consider basically everything that uh, a newcomer to Craven would ever need or want concerning the character. It's, I think it's that good. It starts off with, of course, the six-issue series of Craven's Last Hunt, and then you get Amazing Spider-Man, I believe it's issue 15, uh, which is written by Stan Lee and drawn by Steve Ditko. Uh, that is Craven's first appearance, and then after that you get... Uh, uh, a Marvel team-up written by J.M. DeMattis uh, that features a character known as Ver- uh, Vermin, and that is very important for reasons that we'll get to. Yep. Uh, and this, that's a very important issue and all that. And then after that, you get uh, the, the the spiritual successor or the sequel to Craven's Last Hunt, which is The Soul of the Hunter, also written by J.M. DeMattis. And then you get a reinterpretation of his origin from J.M. DeMattis. Uh, and, and then you get like a, another story centered on Craven. Then you get two Marvel what ifs. Uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, so you, you get all of that. All for the price of one book. Yeah. <laughs> Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Uh, but I thought that this book just had incredible mapping uh, because I can see most deluxe editions giving me maybe, uh, of course, Craven's Last Hunt and then maybe the, the sequel and then some sketch art at the end and that'd be it. But no, right, this. Right. This book really does give you a whole lot uh, about Craven, and most of it is written by the man who wrote Craven's Last Hunt. I was about to say, uh, it know. sounds like this is a say his last name again. Uh, Demattis. Demattis. This, yep. It sounds like uh, Craven has become Demattis's baby. You know, uh, yeah, his awkward, hairy mustache baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, more, more or less, like for sure. Like it's, it's one of those things where like he didn't create the character, but he probably, not even probably, he did leave the biggest impact on the character. Mm-hmm. 
which I think is, is a fair assessment. Um, but yeah, so th- that is the context or the contents, I should say, of the deluxe edition of Craven's Last Hunt. Uh, again, great deluxe edition, guys. So if you if you want to own the book, I think that this is the best way to own it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It made it easy for me to kind of jump on board for this, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um. But yeah, dude. Yeah. So. Craven's last hunt. Uh, yeah. With that being said, guys, uh, we'll go ahead and and get into this. So, uh, like we said earlier, Craven did make his first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man issue fifteen, uh, back in nineteen sixty-four. Uh, Created by the iconic duo of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, the same iconic duo who created Spider-Man, uh, and of course Craven. For those of you who aren't familiar with him, just like a, a brief ele- ele- elevator pitch background on who the guy is. He's uh, he's a hunter, obviously extremely experienced, extremely tactile, and and well versed in the ways of the hunt and of the prey. Uh, he uh, he takes in and and uh, drinks or eats like a, a really obscure mixes of, of potions and juices and berries and poisons from uh from like the, the different parts of the jungles right and, uh, very yeah. very uh homeopathic yeah yes yes indeed uh which he can knows be, his stuff it's, it's homeopathic which can drive him psychopathic at times ah. uh, uh. It's not bad. We can sell that. Okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, he, he drinks uh, this potion that he makes, and that gives him, um, of course, enhanced strength, uh, endurance, speed, agility, longevity. Uh, it, it it severely heightens him. Yeah. And uh, this is what allows him to be the amazing hunter that he is, and that's why Craven's been around for so long. Uh, and it's really here that they first hint at Craven's age, you know, like Craven's been around for a long time, but according to the context of this book, Craven would probably have to be like in his seventies at least. Uh, but he has the appearance of somebody who's like in their like mid twenty of a mid thirties. Yeah. I mean like he, he's he's done well. Yeah. He's done well. (laughs) Uh, so that's a little bit about Craven and he is half brothers with the chameleon. Uh, and in in his first appearance it's the chameleon who hires Craven to come in and and take care of Spider-Man. Uh, so that's that's a little bit of more uh, the more you know more you know information. Yep, yeah. we need a the more you know button. It's just me singing that <laughs> very poorly. <laughs> the more you know. Uh, <laughs> yep. And then people like stop listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I got to say, I, I did uh, when I was reading through uh, this deluxe edition here. I, I did read uh, his first appearance, and uh, I was I was. Uh, very impressed. I mean, it was written by Stan Lee, so I don't know what else I expected. Nah. Uh, nah. And, and, of course, drawn by the great Steve Ditko. Yeah. Uh, both those kings, rest in peace. But uh, it was very good because, like, it was such a compelling fight between those two in the end and seeing how Spider-Man had to really improvise uh, to overcome that uh, because he was kind of up shit's creek. And, you know, Craven had some shit that Spider-Man wasn't ready for. And, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I remember looking at this here. First time, like, he... You know, Craven all of a sudden pops out and puts uh, yeah, like some racers. Ma- magnet, yeah, magnet gauntlets on him that yeah. you know, pulls to his, that movement. Yeah, yeah. It, it pulls his wrist to his uh, to his feet, uh, which would definitely inhibit your everything. Yeah, it made me think of like some Dragon Ball Z stuff. Like, oh, mm. these are the two ton weights, you know? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things had got got like super magnets in them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But what I really like about it was uh, Spider Man had to almost use Craven's own environment against him. Had to learn how to think like the Hunter, uh, and so that was that was Craven's first appearance, which was uh, really cool. Uh, I really enjoyed that. 
but now if we jump to Craven's Last Hunt, uh, and again, this was written by J.M. DeMattis, and uh, the uh, artwork was done by Mike Zek. And uh, Mike Zek does a fantastic job. I, I really can't picture another writer, or, or another artist, I should say, uh, drawing this. Yeah, no. Um, the, the art only accents the, the dark depths of the story's tone even further. Yeah. Even though I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a dark story, the colors actually are very vibrant. They stick out the page very mm. well. It's just the, the context of what's actually there and how much detail is in each face, each caricature that draws you in further into the gruesome detail of what's really happening, of like, you know, the symbolism that's going on on the page, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I actually think this is a very dark story. Oh, no, like, tonal-wise, yeah. it very much oh, okay. is, too. I'm talking about, like, the actual look of <laughs> oh, it. Oh, like, okay. Not every page is like, hey, this is super, like, hey, Gotham Night City Dark. Mm. All right, good fucking luck finding your way. No, there's, right. like, a bunch of, like, colors popping off, too. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the the way this uh, this series starts here is uh, Craven, he's really contemplating, like, life and death. That's uh, what I have written down here. Uh, yeah. Like, particularly, like, life and what he's done with his life. I mean, he is the hunter, and he feels like he's done all the hunting that he can do. There's only one prize that's ever escaped him. And, of course, you can probably guess what that is. Uh, you see, he, he needs one last hunt. Mm-hmm. He needs to do this. And at this point, he talks a little bit about his family background as well, just a little bit. And, and this yeah, is light exposition. Yeah, yeah, uh, th- yeah, this is the first time, really, that we learn about, like, his parentage and about 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 his parents and where they came from and and what life was like for them and you know he this is when he mentions that like his parents were around during the times of like uh, Jim Starlin uh, not to be confused with the iconic comic book writer but like you mm-hmm. know the the overlord Starlin Stalin not Starlin but Stalin there it is yeah. yep, yep. Uh, very slight difference there somebody needs to check on Jim Starlin Let's see <laughs> wow uh, yeah but anyways uh you know he talks about how his parents had a rough a rough go and how they moved to this country being America and like the hardships they faced here. And he feels like that hardship has almost taken a form or a life of his own. Uh, but moving on here, we have Spider-Man as well. Who's going through some, going through his own mental anguish. Uh, a lot of this book is expressed in uh, a term that we've discussed uh, many episodes ago, uh, bottleneck episodes. Hmm. Like the very beginning of this here is a very like, Craven looking at himself hard at the very first few pages. The next little bit, we get Spider-Man monologuing and kind of like looking at himself hard too. Like I said earlier, it kind of touches on a lot of like almost um, playwright, old school Shakespearean type stuff where everyone's kind of like really thinking about themselves and like what they're going through and what they're stuck on, you know? Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, Yeah. And I I really enjoyed this because... I, I can't stand when events happen and, and comic books, any kind of storytelling, and then immediately they just kind of forget about it and move on, mm-hmm. uh, a la modern comic book writing. Uh, but, like, here, Spider-Man, he's stuck on, on the death of this, you know, this, this dumb thug who he would randomly at times get information from, but this guy, I think his name was, like, Joe Face. And, and, and Joe Face is, uh, you know, he's dead now. Uh, but, uh, no, no, man. I was about to make a joke. It's not... 
Um, I was about to say fuckface. Ah, because well. I couldn't find his name either. Uh, but yeah, so th- this this two bit criminal named Joe Face is dead, and Peter even talks about how he shouldn't feel any kind of sympathy for this guy. He was just like a two bit. Uh, or, or whatever. He was just a two-bit criminal who Spider-Man would sometimes literally hit up for information. Uh, but now that he's dead, Spider-Man, he, he does feel uh, a, a bit of grief for this guy. And I also have to remember like the context of when this story takes place. And that is uh, the, the character known as uh, Ned Leeds uh, is dead. And it, you know, I've, we've talked about this briefly before on the podcast, but it's more or less the same kind of character that we see in the uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Like, his best yeah. friend is Ned Leeds. Uh, like, that character was an amalgam of... Yeah, of two characters, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, N- Ned Leeds here had recently been killed. Uh, Remind me, who do, who does Ned become? Like, he, he became yeah, for, something else, yeah. For a, a brief while, he was the Hobgoblin. There it is. Yep. And uh, I mean, and that's also why he was killed. Like he uh, he had, you know, regained control of his of his faculties. And uh, I think it was uh, Jack O'Lantern that that uh, villain. Uh, he uh, I think uh, wanted to assume control of that character, and so I think he hired either him or Kingpin hired somebody to kill the Hobgoblin. He said that guy's the Hobgoblin. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it was the foreigner who sent some goons to kill Ned Lee. They slit his throat, tied him up. Peter found the body. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would, that put me in a dark place too. Yeah. Yeah. Contemplating death. Uh, yeah. Like Peter here. Yeah. 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 So you can kind of see where Peter's at with this. I mean, one of his closest friends, uh, Ned had, had recently been killed and, so it's, it's, it's a rough spot for him, but he's also thinking about, you know, of course this, this two bit criminal Joe face He's also thinking about, uh, Captain uh, Captain Stacy's thinking about Gwen Stacy, mm-hmm. uh, all the people that he's lost, and he's wondering, man, who's going to be next? Is it, will, it be, will it be Mary Jane? Will it be Aunt May? What a dark thought, you know? Yeah, like yeah, who's uh, next? But, yeah, uh, it it is dark, but I, I can imagine in moments of being a superhero and being surrounded by oh, death, you can't avoid those. Yeah, it'd be you rough. Can. Yeah, I mean, it's a dark thought, but it's one that. Bears reverence, and you know it definitely deserves some time. You yeah. know, this is like fuck. Maybe, maybe in like an optimistic point of view, you you, you have that thought process like, oh fuck, man, I'm mourning the loss of those around me, which is appropriate too. But then it's like, well, fuck, who's next? Maybe I can take preemptive steps. You know, and it's yeah. like, oh, that's that's really cool. Good luck, but again. <laughs> It's hard to prep for everything, you know. You can't have contingencies on top of contingencies. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's only so much you can do. And yeah. that's kind of like the, the shitty thing about uh, this this life that we all live is that we know that, oh, you know, two things are inevitable, death and taxes. You know, you, you're going to pay your yeah. taxes and you're going to die. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> I <Boo>. mean, <laughs> one of those sucks more than the other. I'll let you guys be the judge. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Actually, a lot of our foreign uh, homies and homies out there are just like, yeah, death sucks way more. Oh, wait, that's right. <laughs> We're American. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, like death is one of those things that we know is going to happen to everyone, to us and to our loved ones. But, man, even though we know it's coming, dealing with that is still fucking tough. 
Uh, but anyway, so that that's that's the book of chapter one here. But moving on, uh, at the beginning of chapter two, we're introduced to the character known as Vermin. Uh, now, Vermin was another character created by J.M. DeMattis and Mike Zek. Uh, they created this character back when they did their run on Captain America in a, a few years prior. And uh, Vermin, uh, long story short, he was a character created by Baron Von Zemo, um, taken against his will and turned into this rat-like werewolf, werewolf fiendish type character. Yeah, really really kind of fucked up. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, he looks like something the Ninja Turtles said no to. Like nah, we ain't gonna fight that. Yeah, right. We're gonna walk away from this one. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, we'll, we'll let him have that part of the sewer. This is ours. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Vermin does. Uh, he does dwell in the sewers, mm-hmm. and he does have uh, some control over rats. A pretty strong hold, but sometimes they don't always do what he says or what he wants. It's like they're close friends. Yeah. But you know, your friends can still choose to do whatever <laughs> they want to. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like they're real close, so sometimes they'll listen pretty well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, what's important to note here about Vermin, and and thank goodness this deluxe edition includes it, but there is a uh, a, a separate issue, uh, a Marvel team up that is also written by Jim DeMattis, uh, that has uh, the issue where Captain America and Spider Man they essentially team up and they they have to take down Vermin, yep. and it's, it's those two together who are able to uh, to to defeat Vermin and, and drive him away. I would say, and I'm sure this is what you're saying too, since you shared that, that's good knowledge to have mm-hmm. going into this story mm-hmm. because Vermin brings that up in his own thing, like you were saying earlier, yeah. where he's fighting his fears. And guess who he's afraid of? Yeah. Oh, Mr. Stars and Stripes. Oh, oh Winghead. Yep. And uh, Spidey. Yep. Who knew? Oh, wait, you did because you knew what happened before. Yes. And, yeah. uh, and and that's why mapping in books is so important, guys. Exactly. Like, you got to have good mapping. Speaking of the books, one other yeah. thing that's important to point out here uh, are, are, are three mainstay, front stage characters. Um, something that helps drive kind of like the narrative process I'm talking about here is that each character is given their own format of dialogue. You know, Peter Parker has a yellow box with pure black font. Craven has like a, a funky uh, looking font that looks like it came from Jungle Book with like a, an orange box. Right. And Vermin has like a scrawled out uh, sloppy looking black font in his own like uh, neon-esque box. Almost like another hint of yellow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wasn't his also at times like a, like a shit green? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like, like, a yeah, green. like yeah. off green, yeah. like swamp green. Uh-huh. Yeah. Booger. Yeah, Booger go. green. Um. <laughs> And it's like, again, in these text boxes, there's, it, it, it differentiates on purpose here, where it's like most of the time, it's just the character having their inner monologue, but then every now and again, especially, especially with our boy Spidey and our boy uh, Craven, the thought processes go from like, oh, these are my main th- stay thoughts, everything's, everything's good, run, don't be there, and it's like a dark thought finds right. its way and creeps onto the page. Yes. And that's a whole nother context similar to the first, but darker. Yep. You know, Peter Parker's just like, run, get out of here. No, I have to fight. I have to save him. Get out of here. Save yourself. Like, oh, ah, you know. Right. Um, and that that's happening constantly here. Here, as we uh, get introduced to Vermin, that's happening for him, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I really love that concept of the book because yeah. it's the whole idea of... Yeah, see? Yeah. It's the whole idea of what you want to do versus what you feel like you probably have to do or should do. Mm. And... 
I mean, there's a moment that we're going to talk about here soon, even with Mary Jane, where, like, she's literally trying to kill her dark thoughts. And, you know, I, I thought that that was pretty damn pretty damn cool here. Uh, but, yeah, so I really did like that part, too. And there's also, like, another instance here of, uh, of seeing, like, multiple panels uh, that show different variations of kind of the same thing. So it kind of shows you a scene unfolding through like a stage of like three to four panels. And that was really well done on Mike Zek's part because you really get to see uh, what the writer and artist want you to emphasize on. So mm-hmm. whether it be like Craven slowly taking off a mask or whether it be uh, instances like, like that page when Mary Jane kills the rat. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there, there's a lot of really cool things that happen in this book that that transpire over like three to four panels, uh, and this is what I mean when I say you know things like there's so much of the story that's hidden in the artwork uh, when you read comic books. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no. So, um, but moving on here, yeah. Vermin, we're introduced to him. Uh, he's you know dwelling down, dwelling down in the sewers and. One of the first things he does is uh, he cannibalizes a woman. He uh, reaches up, drags her down from from a manhole, and uh, she is fucking terrified, and he eats her. For good reason. He is uh, disgusting looking, and he <laughs> eats people. And he eats people, yeah. <laughs> and you know what he says for that? He says, yum, yum, yum. Yeah, I mean, you know, taste a little treat. You know He's like I mean? the cookie monster. Oh, mm, human woman. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> yeah. Only he's not a puppet. Yep. He's a rat man. Yep. And he's not eating uh not not cookies. Although he, I'm sure he'd be a lot friendlier if he was. Like what, what is this? Yeah, the right? fuck is this? Uh and then the next thing we do here is uh we do go to uh, the MJ scene uh, that I was just referring to earlier. And uh that is MJ she's uh oh actually I skipped a really very very big part here, and that is uh yeah, Spider Man's killed. Yeah, yeah. They, I was wondering, yeah. like, why we buried the lead here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Was that a pun? Yeah. You know it. Uh, but no. Um, that's like end of chapter one. Yeah, that's the end of chapter one. And that is uh, Craven. he does, uh, he says, tonight's the fucking night uh, that he's going to go out for the hunt. And uh, I really love how he does this. Uh, he attacks, uh, successfully captures, and then, quote unquote, kills Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then he buries him. And that is how chapter one ends. Chapter one is called The Coffin, by the way. Uh, so it's, it's very, very, uh, very, it's a very dark scene, man. Very dark imagery. Seeing Spider-Man in the black suits being buried. In after, the coffin. In the coffin, yeah. Mm-hmm. After being shot by Craven the Hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, shit. And Life sucks, then you die. Yeah. And uh, that's <laughs> literally the case here for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he is shot and buried by uh, Craven the Hunter. Um, now, what's interesting here, if we could take a step back for a moment, is that this was something, again, that came out in, in 87, so over 30 years ago now, and Marvel did a tremendous job of selling this death. Uh, so, again, Spider-Man was one of their most popular characters, probably their most popular. Mm. Uh, he was up there with X-Men. Like That's, that's just how popular that, that, that he was. In the sense that he had three different titles, he had Amazing Spider-Man, of course. Mm-hmm. He had Spectacular Spider-Man. Then I think there was a uh, was it Web of Spider-Man? I think it was called a Web of Peter Parker, something like that. So he had okay. three different titles because the demand for Spider-Man was that high. Across all three, uh, they depicted no Spider-Man's dead. So mm-hmm. this story took the mainstay, took the 
took the front page of everything. So like there it was tied off three stories. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't like he still showed up in spectacular Spider-Man doing different adventures. No one got Peter. Yeah. So yeah. And that's exactly what it is to be like, uh, just to kind of give you guys an example of how rare that is. Like if I'm reading something and a Batman comic, I can read something in detective comics, which also features Batman. It is, it would be a completely different story that really has anything to do with the Batman comics. So it's not like the detective comics, and Batman comics always coincide because they don't, they're right. different adventures, different stories. It would be like if Batman died in the Batman comic and then you don't see him in detective comics. Interesting that they had that much reverence, actually. Uh, yeah. that, that, was, that was some awesome planning. Yeah. Do you think present day, no, even years from now, future day, that uh, we will see that much reverence given to another character and their story? Man, I want to say yes, but the current state that, of That's already books. your answer. <laughs> I mean, if you have to pre, uh, pre-say... I want to say yes. Mm-hmm. That already tells me everything right there. <laughs> Please decorate it for me, but I mean, because dude, you know, I I don't believe right now the state of our comic industries as I see it today. Mm-hmm. I don't see them like pre-planning out this amazing arc. Yeah. It's like this heavy, heavy gravity, dark laden moment. And having it tie off all their content at once. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right, unfortunately. Yeah. I it, mean, it, it kind of goes to like a, you know, a, another issue that we spoke about, not to get too off kilt here, but, you know, remember earlier when I said that, that <laughs> remember earlier when I referenced that Spider-Man is still reeling from the death of Ned. Mm-hmm. Remember when we covered Civil War Two about <laughs> two years ago? <laughs> the events that happened in that book, <laughs> uh, yeah. the events that happened in that book, like, what it doesn't really matter what you read, but like two or three issues later, Captain Marvel, oh hey Tony, Tony, oh hey Captain Marvel. I'm like, motherfucker, you guys just fought. Yeah. You know, in Civil War One, there were serious repercussions. Mm-hmm. There was fallout that lasted for years yeah. in the Marvel comic it universe. Affected everything. It affected yes. everything. Yeah. yeah. But now in Marvel Comics, like there's an event, it's done, all right, forget about oh, it, move on. You know what's sad? You know what I'm thinking that is? And 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 Heaven forbid this be an obvious thought, but think about the depth of what this means. If the comic don't sell, it don't stay as canon. Mm. Right? Like Civil War sold, yeah. that shit was gospel commandment. <laughs> it was etched in stone tablets that right. you took down for the mountains. Oh, Civil War II? Oh, uh, you know, it was written on papyrus. <laughs> scratched in right. with, a, with a sharp piece of wood. Uh. Okay. Oh, we lost it? Oh, oh well. well, whatever, man. I guess we'll invent paper and move on with our life. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Um, Civil War Two is written on papyrus, by the way. <laughs> and <Well>, draw. <laughs> you know, I uh, like the, the death of Spider Man here uh, was extremely impactful, and it, and it did fool uh, a lot of people into thinking that shit. Like, he's dead across all the titles. And, and like you mentioned earlier, Kevin, like, that could be potentially detrimental in the short term to Marvel's comic sales. Well, let's think about it like this. So this is a six-issue story, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, Craven's Last Hunt. Yep. And this is where Spidey died. Yep. Yes, he was killed, buried in the fucking ground. In this definition, as far as comics go, mm-hmm. that's a death. Yep. Now, how long, what's the disparity of time 
between publications? Did you have to wait a month or a week? I don't know. Or a couple weeks between each issue's publication? Uh, that's a good um, question. Because uh, at that point, that would depict to me how long Marvel sat on the idea, nah, Spy's dead, bitches. Yeah. Good luck. You know, you don't got no hero. He's gone. All right. Okay. According to this... Was it uh do that do they have the publication dates right there? They do, mm. but not well. Like mm-hmm. one says October thirty first. Yeah. The next issue says two ninety three October. I don't know what that means. Oh, so issue two ninety three. Uh... No, no. I mean, look here. Yeah. Like Spider Man Part One, the coffin, October thirty first. Mm-hmm. Spider Man Part Two. 293 October. What am I supposed... What does that mean? So... Um, that's got to mean Amazing Spider-Man issue 293, but as far as why they don't have the date there, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and now we go to Peter Wait, Parker, The one, Spectacular, yeah. 131. Oh, yeah, because... So all you know, these you know were why? released back-to-back-to-back to back to back almost. Yeah, but, but also, I think another reason why is because... Uh, I don't think that these all came out in The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, no, these yeah, yeah, were yeah, all they, they separate out, stories. Yeah, all yeah. separate and that is cool. Books, yeah. Looking at the history of that, yeah. that means that they coordinated that well. Oh, mm-hmm. Web of Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah this is what you're Spider-Man. talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't realize that until we started talking about it. Guys, these were like different <laughs> canon, uh, canonizations of Spidey, different publications within Marvel, of course, right. that actually worked together on one hoorah, go team. And, yeah. you know, dang. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And I doubt that well, I, I guess I don't I don't know for certain if Jim was writing for all three, but I highly doubt that he was the primary writer for all three Spider Man books. But the fact that they, that Marvel gave him kind of like the the go ahead, hey, so this is gonna cover all three of our Spider Man books. So, you know, you and Matt Zek go at it. Uh I, I think I think these guys came out within weeks of each other, not months. Because mm-hmm. Web of Spider Man came out in November. I'm guessing one came out early October, mid, late October. And then the fourth one here is early November. I'll I'll have to look up the dates to be sure. I don't know, guys, but that's that's just guesswork. Yeah. Point with Stan. So for two months, Spider-Man was dead. Yeah. Yeah. Roundabout. Roundabout. Um, You know, when I think about, uh, you know, like, like effective comic book deaths, because you guys have to understand they're comic book characters, which means... They're gonna come back, like nobody stays dead. And as far as like effective comic book deaths, Spider Man's his is up there. I, I I rank his up there with like Batman's uh, his death. Um, who was had a really unique death uh, when Captain America died? That that one was pretty cool because of and, and Spider Man and Captain America like their deaths were cool because of what it led to. You know, mm-hmm. led to. It to, meant something. Yeah, it meant something. Yeah. It, it, it led to, you know, Dick Grayson being like, fuck, like, I have to do this now. You know, it, it led to Bucky being like, I got to do this now. Dick Grayson? Yeah. Led to Dick Grayson becoming Batman. Okay. No, I, I thought we, <laughs> okay, yeah, no, no, like, yeah. your brain went to, like, a couple of places. My brain was still, like, here in Marvel. Like, you were putting out examples in general. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I just previously mentioned Batman yeah. and what is death man I mentioned. Yeah. You know, okay, never yeah. mind. I'm catching up. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a minute, guys. I'll be here. Hey, welcome back, homies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, I'm here. Uh, 
But uh, we can move on here. So yeah, uh, Spider Man was attacked by Craven, captured, shot, buried, done. Treated like Rasputin almost. Like dang, all you had to do is hang him and drown him, and you would have had the same formula. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Spider Man is off his game, and Craven is very much on his game. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but yeah, that's technically in the chapter two or chapter one. Chapter two yeah, is called uh, Crawling, and there that's when we get the whole. Uh, vermin cannibalizing women. Uh, and then we get the MJ scene. MJ's worried about Peter because she hasn't seen him. She uh, He's not home yet. They are married in this mm-hmm. one, so there you have it. Yeah, this is... Peter uh, got the girl. Yeah. yeah. And this is actually very shortly after the, uh, the wedding issue. And uh, I think this is pretty important because this is a, a very new chapter in both their lives. And we've... Uh, you know, at this point in comic books, we've seen, of course, uh, you know, like Reed Richards and Sue Storm. You know, we've seen their relationship and their marriage. Uh, but Spider-Man may be the next one after that. So this is kind of a big deal. Uh, Mary Jane, uh, she has what I think is a very pivotal scene here. She has another one of those scenes where she's having like the uh, the, the, the dual conscience uh, mm-hmm. the, the duality of thoughts, like where, her healthy thoughts and the dark ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, where she's saying, "I'm sure he's fine. He's out there saving the world from Doctor Squid or Octopus." He's dead. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. Meanwhile, thinking, but what if he's dead? And I, I love the scene where she sees a rat in the corner, and her killing the rat is also like her trying to kill her thoughts of Peter being dead, trying to put away those negative thoughts. Trying to trying to kill the idea that no Peter's definitely not dead, and then she looks down and realizes what she did to that goddamn rat. Like, she demolished oh, it with a boot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I thought that was that was pretty telling. You know, her trying to, you know, kill the uh, the thoughts more than kill that poor rat uh, that she finds in her apartment. Yeah. Um, but moving on, uh, so Craven he performs another ritual. Uh, there's a really creepy one we get early in the book where he's eating a bunch of spiders. That yeah, was, that, that was. was was that, was that a ritual, or was that just like a crazy-ass dream of Peter Parker's? Uh, no, uh, craving eating the spiders is real. That's weird, because in my mind, like, it happens right in the context of, of Peter waking up, making me think mm-hmm. that because he th- also th- had the weird a, dream of it, but he's also awake, and it continues. Yeah, and, and there's also a panel later when Craven says, I have eaten of your flesh. That's Weird, dude. So, guys, Craven is a nut job, all right? I'm, I'm being grounded here, taking that away from the tone of the story, so forgive me, but holy fuck, is he weird? Like, he's, like, feasting on spiders. First off, he's got, like, a, a freaking, like, army of spiders crawling around him, and he's just, like, willingly, like, munching on him like it was ice cream. Like, please, may I have another? Yeah. And... And then the ritual you're walking into now, which is like, oh, he's having another dark ritual where he's like getting ready for some other high tier mental evolution thing. He's dressed up as black suit Mm Spider-Man. He took the fucking costume, walked into his room in in some mansion that he owns. Um, More spiders are there. So he just has this many spiders. He bought a... a, a, (laughs) He bought one case of spiders, please. Yep. Extra juicy and tasty. And he's like derobing. So, yes, he's taking his clothes off, drinking this, this concoction that he made of the herbs and, the, yep. and you know, the juices again. He's just super fucking weird. 
That yeah. being said, please tell us why he does this. Yeah, uh, Craven is uh, very uh, ritualistic, and uh, the, like what, Black Mask is very dramatic. He's ritualistic. <laughs> yes, it's like, it, and it's so funny because this dichotomy is definitely done on purpose here. But in this book, you have to understand that Craven has a hard time differentiating the spider from the man for most of this book, and he really does. Yeah, and, and yeah. at the same time, though, Craven himself also forgets that there's Craven the Hunter and Sergei Kravinov. You know, like there is a difference there too. Like the man who lives inside the wealthy house who had the aristocratic parents is different from, from the man who strips naked and hunts down his prey. Yeah, when he's stripping down like hunting he, he's, mode, he's only Craven. Yeah, uh, he's he's definitely the hunter. He's the yeah. primal beast uh, because he feels that like. In so many ways, to to ascertain your your foe or your hunt, you have to become like it in some in some manner, in some regard. He actually says that you know verbatim in the pages here, where he has to become Spider Man. Oh, yeah. to finally triumphantly go over him, to kill him, to win. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's and that explains why he's wearing the costume and like eating of Spider Man's flesh, aka the spiders, and it's like. That doesn't differentiate from why the fuck you're so weird, too. You're just <laughs> bipolar as hell. Because you're cramming off, because you're you're in a fancy robe, and you're drinking the fine stuff at the beginning of the book, and you're just like, yes, tonight, tonight will be the night that I go hunting again. And you're like your fancy-ass, like, lodge with all your creatures and the heads adorning the walls. But then you get fucking naked for whatever reason. Like, yes, I'm the hunter. I am craving pain. You know, like, bruh. 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 Hey, man. <laughs> to if, each his own, but if, bruh. If I had a body like that, I'd be naked all the time, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's pretty cut. <laughs> he's, like, smashing up his shit. Yeah. Like, uh, he's, he's just stoned half the time in his life. Yeah, because what's important to note here is that, like, the ritual that he puts himself through... In this instance, it gives him the illusion of a giant spider-like creature or monster. Like, like all the spiders converge... Mm-hmm. And move as one hive mind entity, creating the mother spider. Yeah, which is like a a, a large. I, I don't know if, if Craven is a medium sized creature. The spider mother is extra large sized creature. Okay, <laughs> I'm a nerd, and it's it's so weird. Yeah. And, and what's yeah. also important to note here is that Craven once again references fear about how he's afraid of the spider. Yeah, and. Yeah. You know, about him coming to terms with if he wants to truly defeat the spider, this is how you do it. And then it's like, but what if what if the spider isn't real? What if it's just a man? Then he even says to himself, no, that can't be. A man could not have defeated me all these years. Mm-hmm. And and so, like, even though this is just like a, a, a drug-induced uh, illusion that he's going through, it's something that he feels he has to go through <laughs> to conquer kind of that mental block in his brain. Yeah. Uh, so I really do dig like the symbology behind this here, and that's true, and that's a lot of good stuff. It's just hard to relate to Craven here, one because I'm not stoned that much, um, but yeah, yeah. But Craven's not the only one going through some shit. Uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, let's see where we're at here. Yeah. So after uh, Craven does the ritual, um, Vermin, uh, we go to him. He's going through his own fears because. Mm-hmm. Vermin, he's still hungry, and Vermin is still very upset because of what happened uh, during the fight he had with Captain American Spider-Man uh, some time earlier. 
But yeah, he, he's he, in that uh, phase where he's like, nah, I didn't get my ass kicked. But his brain is like, bruh, you got your ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> like, he won't admit it, except in his most private moments. Like, nah, I, I had them. I could have got them. Bruh, you lost that fight. Yeah. <laughs> and he wants to go topside, but he's too afraid. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I love, like, the imagery that oh, he's on yeah, this panel here. Yeah. Where he's like... Peeping up, he like moves the sewer crate. All you see are the redness of his eyes. Right, a spider is crawling on the sewer grate. He looks at it, big old bug eyed, right. like scared of it, and is like, <laughs> like yeah. you know, what, maybe tomorrow. Uh, yeah. I don't have to do this today. Well, for, he runs away. He physically runs from yeah. the spider. It doesn't make sense that spider's there because it's raining. But I'm not going <laughs> to question that because I know what the spider means. Mm-hmm. But still, yeah, yeah. Man. So, and he kills a rat. He yeah. kills his friend. Yeah, well, you know, the rap's talking shit like, come on, bro, why don't you go up? You know, at least to <laughs> to Vermin, that's essentially what the rat was saying. Because, uh, yeah, he smashes that poor rat, then he eats it. I mean, he's still hungry, man. He's got to eat. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, while uh, while Craven is struggling to face his fears, uh, we have Vermin, who just flat out won't face his fears right now. Uh and then um, kind of the last thing that we get here going going to the end of it is the we see that Craven says that he needs to be the spider to uh, to be more than a man. Like he again, he would not be defeated by just a normal man. Mm-hmm. So in his mind, there is really no spider man. It's really just spider. And that's really what Craven is focusing on here. Uh, and then um, MJ, uh, she's out lo- trying to look for Peter. Um and along the way, she gets harassed by a group of hoodlums. And then uh, later on here, she gets accosted by these hoodlums. They they come up and try to force themselves on her. Like, they're would-be rapist. Mm-hmm. And when you know it, Spider-Man comes and makes the yeah. save. And Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Man is a little bit bigger, and he's way more vicious. Like, way more vicious. Yeah. And Mary Jane quickly assesses, oh, this isn't Peter. It is Craven. You know what the funny thing is? What's that? Like, the the fight that happens here. Like, you, they draw out the fight, the mm-hmm. punches, the the scrack, good, and all that stuff. And uh, this looks like a Batman fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Batman just be like, I don't kill them. I'm just going to beat them up real good. You know? Like, that's my rule. I don't kill nobody. And this is just like him beating the living fuck out of his villains so they oh, just yeah. go to the hospital. Yeah. It's up. He might have killed them because you know they. The later first on, guy's he, dead. Yeah, like he he is gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that's when Mary Jane is like, "Oh shit, yeah, this definitely is not Peter." Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is not. It is Craven. No. Yeah, and and also I, I love how how thought out Craven's plan is here because like from I think it's like page eight or nine, you see him looking at the suit he made, and yeah. it's like, "Geez, this man has thought this thing through." It's so weird. He took the black suit and said. I'm going to make that. I want to wear that. I'm going to become that prey and make that suit. Like, you're so fucking weird, dude. Yeah. Like, mm. you need to calm down, bro. <laughs> uh, I, feel like, I feel like Craven and Dwight would have gotten along to an extent. And then even Dwight would be like, Dwight from The Office. Mm. And like, nah, he, he's, he's a little too intense for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Craven, uh, he takes his hunts very seriously. Yeah. Uh, so chapter three is called The Descent. And uh, there's not a whole lot here that happens in this in this chapter, but yeah, really cool. what we get here is uh, their spotted craven is what I call them, uh, kills, kills a bunch of criminals. Yep. 
And now in Craven's mind, he views this as an absolute win uh, because <laughs> Spider-Man wouldn't do this. And therefore, these criminals would be able to go out and commit more crimes. So in Craven's mind, him killing these criminals, he's doing better. Like he's he's being a better Spider-Man than Spider-Man. So he's besting his prey in yeah. more ways than one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Vermin uh, kills and cannibalizes again another poor woman. And, uh, and then after that, we get a very interesting scene when uh, he comes across some police officers in a car. And uh, this is fucked up. Oh, yeah. This lady. She's so, traumatized. Yeah, sure. there's two cops. Mm-hmm. He jumps through the windshield as they're coming up on the road. What was I? Like slams through the windshield like a fucking Resident Evil thing. <laughs> and then like they stop the car. He like rips the man out. Tosses him over the side of the road, lands him by a rain grate. Um, rats, just like dozens of rats, yeah. come out immediately and begin to devour this cop. And the lady cop is there with like gun aimed at Vermin, who's just like slouched over the car watching this. Like, what? What the fuck is going on? What are you? And it's like, and he he floors her. Uh, he lays her down against the hood of the car, and he has. The most human moment that he's had in a while here, mm-hmm. where he goes, uh, soft lips, yeah. dark skin. Uh, and he, yeah. he relates the lady cop to his mother. To his mother, yeah. And he awkwardly licks her cheek with his mm-hmm. weird ass, disease ridden, cannibalistic, <laughs> rat eaten, sewer living tongue. Yep. And uh, she's traumatized as fuck. Yeah. He, she he retired let, that yeah. night. <laughs> he, he does let her go. He does not kill this woman. Yeah. 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 Uh, but no, for sure, yeah, she needed therapy after that. There's no way you leave the situation not traumatized. So my partner was eaten alive by rats. <laughs> by a swarm of rats. I got hit on? Hit on by a rat man. <laughs> it's like, did he, was he hitting on her or, again? Like, No, he wasn't hitting on her. Mother. I just don't yeah. know what her interpretation yeah. oh, would be. Because right, she right. didn't read the dialogue. She doesn't know <laughs> what he was thinking. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, that was... Uh, that was definitely intense for her. Uh, she has a story to tell, and then uh, I don't think she wants to tell it. <laughs> and and then after that, Craven he's celebrating his victory so far, and while he's thinking about his next game plan, what he knows he wants to do next, he's also toying with a rat in a cage. Like he has this knife in his hand, yeah, and he's just toying with this rat. Now in a cage. this is when I begin to better understand Craven. Like in my mind, I knew okay, he's about to go hunt the vermin. Because mm-hmm. obviously the rat is symbolic of the vermin. Right. Spiders, Spider-Man, duh. Oh my gosh. But it's like, you see him smirking awkwardly and like smoking his cigarette in his um, Kramanov robe. Just like stabbing at this at this rat, toying with it, not killing it, piercing it. Like, okay, okay. So you just weird as fuck. Uh, and that's tonight's theme, ladies and gentlemen. I, apparently, yep. Uh... But no, that is his plan. He is going to go after Vermin. Mm-hmm. And now the reason he's going after Vermin is because Spider-Man couldn't defeat Vermin one-on-one. Mm-hmm. It took the combined efforts of Spider-Man and Captain America to defeat Vermin. And Craven is thinking, well, I've already defeated criminals better than Spider-Man can. I have defeated my prey in combat, referring to Spider-Man. I've worn his skin. Now, if I can defeat the foe that he couldn't, this would definitely mean that I am better than Spider-Man. And in the perception of our boy Craven, Kramanov, that makes him 
without any argument, no foothold, no lawyers, no bars hold, better than Spider-Man in any way he could ever be, any way he could ever hope to be, or in any way he ever was. And in my mind, that is kind of cool. Like, okay, I see the, like, help me out here. Uh, the totarian, the mm. totarianism of your character here. You know, I, I see better the thought process you have, you know. Um, fascinating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then actually talking about something that you mentioned earlier, this is actually a really good panel depicting that, where you see Kramanov, and that's not the same, man. That's Craven. Yeah. Kramanov, Craven. <laughs> Kramanov, Craven. Panel A, he stands at a windowsill, robe covering one arm, just kind mm-hmm. of, or like he, he's derobing, taking it off, and he's Devin just kind of standing there like, yes, I'm rich, yes. <laughs> and the next one, he's like slouched over, looking like a fucking demon. Yeah. Like half out the window in the rain, like, yes, tonight. Yeah. Like, Gosh, <laughs> and and he's again, a very centric man. And again, like yeah. shout out to Mike Zek, the artist man. He does such a fantastic job. Yeah, like this. This is where I really love when writers and artists like work together for a really long time because they they begin to understand one another, and and this is the result. Um, but yeah, uh, Craven or Spider Craven, as I call him, uh, goes after Vermin in the sewers, and those two have a pretty epic showdown. It's a really cool fight. Uh, and it does end with Craven winning. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Craven, uh, you know, after a pretty intense fight, he's able to best the ver- uh, vermin. He doesn't kill him, but he defeats him. That's uh, very important to note. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because he, uh, he then uh, takes vermin's uh, lifeless, unconscious body and takes him back to his mansion. So, so fucking weird. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, I guess, I, definitely unorthodox. I guess, like, okay, okay. Now we're finding nice words. If we're calling it unorthodox, it's I mean, also kind of weird. I mean, because, like, I guess weird in, like, I guess in the concept of, like, a supervillain, I mean, is it? In the context of a supervillain? <laughs> nah, I, and weird I guess is also, a very far reaching yeah, word, you know? And, and I guess also, like, I, I'm a little bit more accustomed to Craven, so, like, his crazy ass customers don't throw me off quite as much. Good alliteration, by the way. I didn't mean that, but yeah. Yeah, thank you, you did. You get, you get a point. You get a point. You don't, you don't get three. You just oh, get okay. one. Oh, okay. I get a single. Okay. You, you have to have yeah. that many words to make one good alliteration. Oof. So, yeah, yes. But yeah, no. Um. Yeah, <laughs> like, in uh, the, the, the words of Ra's al Ghul, to the uninitiated, uh, yeah, th- this would this would come off as very fucking bizarre. Well, that, that is very true. So, to a lot of us who are <laughs> yeah. to are uninitiated to Craven, this is very because it's like yeah. it makes sense that he would go to best every objective Spider Man barely mm-hmm. could best or couldn't do by himself. It makes sense for him to go do that, but then to go take that objective and to bring it the fuck back, like you ain't beat him up. Vermin's done. Let him rest. He, <laughs> he got his ass whooped twice. Oh, no. Let him be okay. <laughs> Why are you kidnapping him? Leave him in the sewer. That is not sanitary. Oh, no. There, there's one final task. Apparently, yeah. and we're about to find out. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I, I guess, like, in conclusion, this is very weird, but it's, <laughs> but it's not weird at all for Craven. Yeah, for Craven, he's really vibing with it. For the rest yeah. of us, like, what the? fuck are you doing guy? yeah yeah like like for craven like this all makes perfect sense um but you know that's what happens mm-hmm. when you're kind of psycho uh chapter four is called resurrection 
now this is a very interesting opening here because it starts off with uh, Peter, and he's like in this uh, vapid white room, like there's there's nothing there except for his old friend Ned. Uh, and Peter looks up and sees Ned, and Ned is just as friendly as can be. Like, hey, Peter, what's going on, man? And and Peter's like, you're fucking dead. And Ned's <laughs> like, wait, I am? Oh. Oh, shit, I am. <laughs> and, like, right before Peter's eyes, like, Ned's body kind of, like, decomposes and yeah. falls to the floor. And, and Peter has, like, this really haunting, vivid vision dream uh, of... of like confronting death and resurrection, which is, you know, of course the name of the chapter. Uh, he, he even envisions like this spider creature being, a, being like attested by like these other nightmares monsters and the spider is killed, but Peter Parker, the man emerges and it's like him. It's like Peter himself, uh, understanding the difference between the spider and the man, the one thing that Craven hasn't been able to do yet. Yeah. And Peter Parker, the the man is able to find the difference. And eventually he, he says something along the lines of, the spider is a lie, there's only Peter. Yep. And Peter's traumatized. Like Even in this fever dream, you can tell he's traumatized. I probably would be too if I was oh, buried alive. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, but it's his, it really is his love for, for MJ that helps him pull through. Like, that's the thought that he holds on to. Like, I love my wife. I have to make it back to her. Yep. And that's really the driving force that helps him pull through. You got to respect that. That's oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Especially knowing the journey specifically of Peter Parker, right. one who's lost so many loved ones, sticking it out for his loved ones. Yeah. Admirable. It is. Awesome. It's, it's, it's very Peter Parker. And, yeah, I feel like everybody in this situation probably needs some kind of tether. Yeah. People to build the resolve, you know, mm-hmm. reasons to be. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's that's Peter's. It's yeah. his wife. Uh, if, if Dude, if my wife was Mary Jane, fuck uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> are, are you kidding me? That's my resolve <laughs> right. every damn day. Right. Uh, yeah. Fun fact, like, uh, when, when Zendaya was uh, auditioning for the role originally in uh, Homecoming, they didn't tell her that the role was for MJ. Really? Yeah, they, they didn't tell her. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> interesting I like that that's cool because yeah. she wasn't your classic MJ she was not like, at all Yeah, she was Michelle from, for 90% of the movie exactly yeah. yeah but she was also like a very different personality oh, yeah. than MJ ever has been in the, in the right. pages so like to the point where like she was purposely written to throw people off oh yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah not until like <laughs> They tell you her middle name. Right. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Just call me MJ. Ah. Ah. Okay. Uh, once Spider-Man uh, unburies himself, you know, he digs himself up from the grave. And this, uh, by the way, uh, the, the cover for issue four, I love all Mike Zek's covers, but that's probably my favorite. Is Spider-Man sitting up out of the grave. In that black suit. That's like, a great one. Yeah. It is It is messy, and it is gritty. It is there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I actually, uh, I think I read somewhere that this was the first, that was the first cover that Mike drew uh, for the series. So, much respect. Like, he also knew that that was going to be a banger. Mm. Um, yeah, so Peter, he, he, 
you know, comes up from the grave and then he goes into Craven's big ass fancy mansion and he finds a newspaper and see that he's been missing for two weeks. And in those two weeks, Craven has been desecrating his name by killing all these goddamn criminals. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And, and Peter is pissed. Rightfully so. He's breaking up all the trophies and all the taxidermy. Just like, man, fuck this leopard. (laughs) Fuck this, whatever this giant extinct animal is here. This alligator, (laughs) crocodile, both. It's one Uh, of the two. That's right. Oh, damn. Like, fuck this. Is that Bigfoot? Craven killed Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't don't fuck that. That that could be worth that something. Be but worse. Yeah. Fuck the rest of these. Yeah. <laughs> he looks at the uh, rhino, just gets angrier. Right. Yeah. God damn it, that's another one of my rural galleries. Uh, actually what'd be funny is if like in the background you saw like the, the taxidermy of a rhino, a vulture, yeah. and then like a scorpion uh, yeah. in a glass container. Yeah. An octopus, another one, you know. Oh my gosh, yeah. And that's actually a live one in like an right. aquarium. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Who else would we need? Um, uh, a mountain lion, but like a rare breed of one that's uh, primarily like a black panther. Oh, there yeah. Oh, uh, just a black panther, yeah. 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 Oh, man. Uh, he need to uh, put, put a, go ahead and put a wolverine in there, too. Okay, not, yeah, why not? Yeah, not that a lot of people would know what a Wolverine looks like. Actually, it's very underwhelming yeah, for what the yeah. character depicts. Mm-hmm. But then you got to remember the original character is like four foot something. So. He's still, he was still five foot something. Like, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I still, thought he was like four foot 11, dude. Oh, no. no yeah? No, no, okay. Yeah. Uh, so he's like five foot eight his whole life. Five foot five or three, one of the two. Uh, trivia. There you yeah. go. The more you know. <laughs> you know. Unless you read the ultimate verse, then yeah. he's like six foot something. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Had to pretty him up, anyways. <laughs> anyways. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so Spider Man has been uh, quote unquote missing or dead for two whole weeks. So what Craven shot him with was a motherfucker. Oh man, like I can't imagine the hangover that Peter has. But let's let's be realistic. Peter is a man with a super system mm-hmm. with. A, a a hyper, a way more capable human system than what we have. Like he is oh, yeah. literally superhuman. Our systems would have died. Like oh, yeah. we would that, have that been murdered. Killed, yeah, that would have killed. Yeah, a person. I think. I think to him sh- that was a tranquilizer. To right. us that was a poison. <laughs> yeah. I think he shot Peter with whatever the hell he shot that rhino with. Like it had to yep. be something on par yep. with that. Yep. Oh. Uh, yeah, so Peter, um, and, and once again, like this goes to show uh, how well Craven thinks he knows Peter because Craven, to his credit, he does know when Peter is awake, when Peter uh, comes out of it. He knew how long that dart would keep Peter down. He was like, he's up, he's awake. Like Craven knows. Yeah. Now, what Craven thinks is that uh, Spider Man is going to come for me now. No. Peter Parker, the man, goes home to his wife first. I respected that a lot, actually. Like yeah. that was that was really cool. Where the story is so focused on Craven and the messed up mental journey he goes through, mm-hmm. that they, even though the spotlight wasn't on Peter, they still got Peter very correct to the core of his character. Oh yeah, like he goes home to his wife and goes ahead and makes some love. Oh yeah, you know I. You gotta man, respect a man for th- that. Th- that that's that's gotta be part of like his superpower, man. Cause if I got if I was buried alive for two weeks and came out of it, right. like like bitch, like 
Leave me alone, right? I just I need a nap. What we don't see is actually in between the panels. Yeah. He went to go get some some Red Bulls real quick. <laughs> he was just like, "Okay, I'm about to go home. I know what I'm in the mood for since I've been dead for two yeah, weeks. Like, I, I am hungry. Like, do we have anything in the fridge? Like, did you make anything? Let me go get some more of those hamburgers. Yeah, yeah some, something yeah. like I, I I can't do this right now. Or some of that pizza I used to deliver. Where's that at? <laughs> uh, but uh, after the the, the love making the love making sesh. Uh, Peter, you know, he faces that fucking responsibility that's always looking him in the eye. Mm-hmm. And he says to Mary Jane, look, I got to go and finish this with Craven. And of course, much to her dismay, he's like, no, you don't understand. This is something I got to do. No, I don't want to talk about being buried alive. I I got to go do this. Thanks for the sexual healing. And it right. Because, yeah. you know, when you get that feeling, you need sexual healing. Sexual healing. <laughs> You're welcome for uh, setting me up like do. that. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. The homies in the back couldn't hear you. Could you do that one more time? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Okay. Chapter five is called Thunder. Now, this starts off with the confrontation. The confrontation between Craven and Spider-Man. And I love... Uh, like that that image when we see Spider Man once again, and like I think it's the four panel layout where we see Spider Man slowly descending uh, behind Craven. Really sells the the tempo of what yeah. he's going at. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's it's super fucking cool. If I was Spider Man, I'd be pissed at this point for another reason. <laughs> Motherfucker, you stole my outfit. <laughs> you stole my drip. Hey, <laughs> my drip. You stole my goddamn drip. This is my dag of swag. Get out. <laughs> Go to hell, Craven. Right. I killed your Bigfoot. <laughs> Craven's like, no, I killed my Bigfoot. No, see, there's no taxidermy to him. Now he just looks fucking weird. He like webbed a bunch of weird right. ones together. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Uh, now oh, at this poor point, poor Vermin over here stuck in an electric cage. Yeah, yeah. Vermin is uh yeah is caged up, can't get out. Like you like you said, Kevin, it's electrified like a motherfucker, so he ain't going nowhere. Uh, and Craven doesn't put up a fight. Spider-Man just begins pummeling Craven, and Craven's like, yeah, you know, go ahead. You can hit me a hundred times. It won't make a difference. Like, I've already won. And he starts making, like, these kind of weird statements to himself, saying that the spider, the spider understands what's going on, but the man does not. And it's pretty, it's pretty interesting how he uh, compartmentalizes the difference between the two. He doesn't view... Spider-Man is, is both a man and a powerful entity. Uh, but uh, at this point, Craven, he begins thinking of his parents some more. And, you know, he we get a little bit more cool exposition about his family and about uh, the, the atrocities that they had to face. He refers to his father as like a, a soft man and how, how his mother was misunderstood. And, and, and as this chapter goes on, we, we get more, a little bit more and more about his parents. But... Yeah. Uh, it's cleverly done because it also mm-hmm. brags like how this is the best Craven's ever been. Yeah. And how well he knows his prey. Yeah. You know? Um, and there's a lot of that. Like Craven really does have this whole situation by the cojones. Oh yeah. Um Yeah. Like I mean He's at home. Yeah. In his mind, he is in his rightful place mm-hmm. and he is the victor. So there's no fight. Yeah. For him, it's the end game uh, you know, epilogue. Yeah. Yeah. So uh I mean, you know, and, and like uh, in a weird kind of comparison, like uh, I think this is probably mm. the second week in the row that we've mentioned this movie, but the the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. Uh, it is wow! And, uh, like at, at the very end of the movie, uh, when he's speaking to what was his name, Thomas Saint, 
Uh, was last time we mentioned that was that on the last episode or on the the shorty we did for WandaVision, uh, yes. which we'll be doing another one of uh, here in a couple days for episode four. That we will. Uh, but uh, you know, in that movie, like the very end, uh, before he kills uh, Mister Saint, he says, uh, "I made you kill your best friend through some pictures. I made you kill your wife. I, I made you destroy everything you ever loved." You know, he says something to that effect. And, and and then uh, you know he walks away and does like the the Punisher explosion yeah. thing. Still cool. Yeah. Still yeah. cool. Uh, Bad but cool. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's rule of cool. The rule of cool. Yeah, rule of yeah. cool. And uh, but it was like he had to let uh, Saint know first that hey, everything you've lost is because of me. I made you lose. You know. And, and I mean that's, that's half the victory. Yeah. Yeah, and it's true, and, and that's exactly why Craven is doing what he what he did. Yeah. Like even tell Spider Man, yeah, like I I didn't like really kill you, but you you know if I wanted to, I could have. Yeah, yeah. and it's like I need. He's you. not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah, yeah. He, I needed you to see that I donned your costume, that I was you, that I did things you couldn't do. I was a better you. Yeah, yeah. I beat criminals better than you. Spider Man's like they did. <laughs> I made better love to Mary Jane than you ever did. Spider was like, whoa. Whoa, what? What? Shit, there was a dick print there. I didn't even notice. God damn it. I just kept the costume on the whole time, yeah. so she thought it was you. you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. And then he goes, I even bested the vermin. Like, you couldn't do that by yourself. Uh, yeah, so at this point, um, Craven, he, he gloats about his defeat over vermin. And... Uh, Eventually, like this, this is uh, gonna lead to a fight between Vermin and Spider Man. Uh, so Craven, like he first, he throws in like a like a torch to set the inside of the cage on fire, uh, and then uh, eventually, like he, <laughs> this part I did think was kind of funny. I think he hops on Craven hops on like uh, an elephant or a rhino or something massive. Yep, an elephant. Yeah, an elephant, and uh, he, he just begins gloating some more. And and to Spider Man, he's speaking in riddles. And Spider-Man picks up the fucking elephant. <laughs> it's like, Craven, stop it. Uh, it, it was pretty funny. Um, you see Spider-Man lift that poor, that poor defenseless elephant. Um, but no, so after a while, Craven, he does uh, lift uh, the, the gate. And he tells Vermin to essentially face your fears, yeah. get your revenge, and fight the Spider-Man. Which is funny, because, you know, Craven fought him. Yeah, but yeah. Vermin doesn't know that. Vermin doesn't know that. He saw a Spider-Man costume, yeah. which this bitch stole. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so that does lead to a Spider-Man and Vermin fight. And, and this is really the last thing that, uh, that Craven needs to see. He needs to know for certain that Spider-Man can't do what he did. Spider-Man can't best Vermin in a one-on-one fight. And as the fight goes on, at first, Spider-Man is really holding back. Because yeah. uh, he doesn't want to hurt Vermin. Uh, and, and, you know, and this is really interesting here. Because as as cruel and as disgusting as Vermin is, you can't help but feel sorry for the guy. Like, th- this is a character who, he didn't choose to be the Vermin. Right. Like, he was made into this. And there is a, an air of sadness about the Vermin. Um, and, you know, even in this situation, Vermin doesn't want to be here. Vermin doesn't want to fight. Vermin, in his mind, is literally fighting for his survival at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Spider-Man, for a while, does get angry at Vermin, and they began to lit- they begin to really go at it. 
but it does end with Vermin getting the upper hand because of Spider-Man's kindness. Uh, Spider-Man lets his guard down. Vermin gets the better hand, and Vermin has Spider-Man dead to rights. And then fucking Craven pins Vermin's hand to the dead elephant corpse with a knife. I like that is impeccable. That's badass. Fuck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is really badass. And then Vermin or uh, Craven tells Vermin, "All right, you're free to go. You can leave now." But that that's enough for the fight with Spider Man. I've seen enough. Really great villain moment. Yeah. Really great. Where he's like playing with the control he has mm-hmm. so well. Mm-hmm. He's playing everyone else's cards to a T, even though they're their cards in their own hands. Yeah, yeah. It, he like, knew what Vermin's deck had, what yeah. Spidey's deck had, because yeah. he dealt all the cards in the yeah. situation. It was yeah. phenomenally done, and this this is my favorite point in the book. Mm. You know, like everything that we've led up to here. There's so many things Craven does that is so fucking weird, <laughs> but it led to a beautiful orchestra of events at the later end of the books here, and that's that's you know thumbs up, guys. Well done. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so Vermin takes Craven's advice and Vermin leaves to go back to his sewer lair and he helps Spider-Man up and Spider-Man is like, you, you let that maniac go. Why did you do that? Mm-hmm. And uh, Craven goes, uh, you, you need to go after him. And Spider-Man goes, yeah, all right, so I can let you get away and go on with your next hunt. And man, this is like the most calm I've ever seen Craven in this issue here. And, and Craven goes, no, I'm done. I'm I'm not gonna do any more hunting, and Spider Man's like, yeah, right. I'm supposed to believe you. And Craven goes, you know, out of, out of all the years you've known me, you know that I'm a man of my word. Yeah. And yeah, so he 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 let Spider Man go off to to chase uh Vermin because again, uh, Craven, like you said earlier, who knows what everybody has for their cards, he knows that Spider Man is a hero. He goes, go out and be a hero. Again, he knows his prey. Yeah. That well. Mm-hmm. The sign of an act like you know, master hunter. Yeah, um, he goes. You're not going to let Vermin go off and you know commit more crimes and, and killings. Go, yeah. go up, go stop him. And he even says to himself, like, "Funny how I never saw it before, but this is actually a good man." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Under uh, the spider, the man, the man. Here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Craven does say that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it is important to mention how also Craven, you know, he speaks about uh, his parents again, particularly his mother. That intrigued me when he started bringing up his mom again. Like, my mother was insane. Yeah, you know, he says, they said my mother was insane. Yeah. And Craven never believed that. He believed that what this country is drove her over the edge. Yeah. Uh, that this that this country killed her. That and, and again, he symbolizes the atrocities of this country with the spider. He even says things like, the spider killed her. Mm-hmm. Like, so he, he really does find a way to play the mental gymnastics to, to make those one and the same, how his mother, yeah. how his mother didn't kill herself, but his mother was killed in his mind by the state that she was placed in, in this country. Uh, and then like, uh, after Spider-Man leaves to go chase Vermin, uh, you know, he, he recounts that last thing again, when, uh, he says, they said my mother was insane. And uh, he he holds a rifle up underneath his chin. He eats and, lead. Yeah, and he stands over a coffin that he had prepared. And it's funny, this is, I think, the same coffin where back at the beginning of issue one, he revealed that he had a spider suit. Mm-hmm. 
but he stands over that coffin with the rifle to uh, to his head, and he, uh, he he blows his brains out. What a way to go out! You defeat your nemesis, show off to him that you defeated the nemesis, let him live because in the end you knew he was still a good person, even though he was your enemy, your spider to overcome. And then you went out on your own terms. Um, still crazy. Still really out there. But it makes for a very compelling story. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Craven's plan was was played to a T. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can't argue that his methodology led to what he considers to be a staunch victory. I mean... Craven played his hand perfectly. And I even love that, like the little things that they mention here because, I mean, Craven's mother, you know, she, unfortunately, like she also suffered from mental illness. So does, so does Craven. They, they don't outright say it here, but Craven himself seems uh, uh, maybe a, a, a bit depressed. Not just a bit, but a lot. I mean, because what do you do when you've done everything you felt you were put on this earth to do? Yeah. And then you have what you consider your last hunt and you execute that to perfection. And the way that Craven puts it, there is a sense of calm about that, even a sense of happiness, yeah. fulfillment, because yeah. I've done it. But now there's nothing else left for me to do. Yeah. It's like the list is satisfied and you don't want to add to it. You're done. You checked everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that this is where Craven's mindset puts them, you know, um, yeah. Really dark. Yeah, it's 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 really dark. It's really really dark, really sombersome. And I mean it I mean what what a fucking exit, man. Like yeah. that. I mean th- this this entire story, I think it was just it's 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 a masterclass of writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a way to take a villain and to really get inside their psyche. And to break down the events that leads to something like this. Like, I, I man, can't say enough about it. But, right. uh, we do still have one more chapter here, chapter six, mm-hmm. uh, which is called Ascending. Which is uh, funny, because yeah. technically we saw Spider-Man and Vermin descend into the sewers. Yeah. Uh, I play into something here. This starts off with Peter. Uh, he's fighting through the mental trauma of being buried alive as he is in these little narrow, uh, like sewer passageways. And he can't stop thinking about climbing up out of that grave he was buried in. And there's a lot of trauma and fear. Again, there's, there's that fear thing with, with Peter Parker trying to fight on because he knows that's what he has to do. That's what the hero does. Uh, but he doesn't run from the fear. He, he, he continues on. Yeah. And that was really important to note here. And again, they don't they don't outright mention it, but it's there. And and, and this is the fact that Peter is going to fight Vermin one on one in Vermin's own environment. Yeah. Like no fire, no electric cages. Yeah, yeah. no Captain America. Like th- this is no grocery store. That's where they fought the first time. Yep. Like like this is all in 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 Vermin's favor. Yeah. Uh, but Spider-Man, he's facing that fear, and he's going for it. Yeah, which makes sense, because maybe, you know, in his own mind, excuse me, maybe in his own mind, um, Craven was starting to make some points. 
Because mm. he was. Yeah. He was making some uh, interesting points, which like, I've done everything you couldn't do. Yeah. What up, bitch? Right. drop. <laughs> Trigger go. pull. Yeah, Done. go, go, go after him. Yeah. Yeah, go on. I did. You yep. can't. So maybe uh, Spidey's got to prove something to himself. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Peter talks about how, man, he just, he just wants to be at home with his wife, which who can blame him? Uh, right? Yeah. Right? Man. Uh, man, if I, had a hot, if I had a hot wife too, hell yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, meanwhile, the police do investigate Craven's mansion, and uh, they do see that Craven left a confession, uh, confessing all of his crimes that he committed while he was pretending to be Spider-Man. And so Craven, once again, man, from the very beginning, had all his ducks in a row. And he shot those ducks because he's a hunter. Uh, meanwhile, back down in the sewers, Spider-Man and Vermin, they fight. And again, they fight in Vermin's environment. And again, it's a really cool fight here, but this is and not... gross. Yeah. And, and gross. gross, yeah. Uh, this is not going to Spider-Man's favor uh, because how could it? I mean, again, you're fighting the vermin in his own turf. Uh, home field advantage for vermin. Yep. Uh, but what Spider-Man does is, is that's something that's really clever because at first it looks like fear has taken over because it looks like Spider-Man is running away. And that, oddly enough, gives vermin courage seeing Spider-Man run. And Vermin chases him. Spider-Man goes up top to the street side and Vermin follows. Yeah. This is the first time in, in this story that we've seen Vermin uh, topside during the daytime. Or that it's not dadgum raining in the book. It's been raining so much in the book because they use the rain and mm-hmm. the lightning and thunder and as uh, story driving device plots. Um, or devices, excuse me. That's more simple. But... Um, this is the first time in the whole book that we see like the sunrise or anything yeah. that permits like symbolism of goodness, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause the whole book has been like, it's nighttime, it's dark, it's wet, it's dreary. It's constantly storming and raining. It's thunder too. It's bad. Yeah. Now it's finally good. Yeah. And uh, like seeing that he's out in the daylight, which is where he doesn't want to be. He just told Spider-Man, that he doesn't want to be in the light. He wants to be in the dark. And now here he is literally in the, in the light. And Vermin freaks the fuck out because, again, this is not his environment. This isn't where you want to be. There's people around. There's cars whizzing by. And all that distraction and that paralysis uh, causes Vermin to freeze up. And yeah. Spider-Man's able to get the upper hand, and he whips up Vermin uh, and leaves him for the cops. And it is important to note uh, that... Spider-Man, he shows kindness to Vermin. He goes, listen, I, I know a guy, Reed Richards, and I'm going to see if we can get you some help. Uh, because that's who Spider-Man is. Yeah, it's fitting. Yeah, and like that's, and I think that like this is a very small thing, but it's also very pivotal because we get to see all the things about Spider-Man that Craven never did. Uh, once again, Craven just mostly saw the spider up until the end. He, he never, never understood really, that it's Peter. Yeah, never never understood the man. Never understood what really makes him Spider-Man. He's not just Spider, he's Spider-Man. Yeah. And uh yeah, that that kindness is definitely a big part of it. And his love for Mary Jane is another big part of it. And Mary um, Jane's love for him. Because yeah. at the very end here we see her go up and hug him, even though he just got done fighting in a sewer. Yeah. 
Yeah, hell yeah. In our day and age, after freaking COVID going around, nah, man, you're not allowed <laughs> in the house. Go hose off uh, and then come in. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So he does go home to marry Jane. And then after that, we see uh, Craven's burial by like his last few associates. And uh, they, they put him in the ground. And uh, and then we get uh, that uh, the, the spider rendition of William Blake's poem, uh, Tiger, Tiger, instead of Spider, Spider. And uh, that's that's what we get to uh, close out the book. Now, also, uh, William Blake's poem uh, is very fitting for for this story because I'm sure you guys are familiar with, with the, the poem in some regards. Uh, it's usually Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright in the Forest of the Night, What Immortal Hand or I Could Frame That Fearful Symmetry. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes on. The rest of it, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> it's it's a very famous poem uh, written by uh, William Blake back in like seventeen hundred in the seventeen hundreds. Yeah. Uh, now what's interesting though is if you if you if you look at like the different interpretations of the meanings, hmm. what it comes off as again substitute tiger for spider. That's what Craven does. Right. And it's like. Which it, makes sense because the irises of Spider Man are very unique and outstanding, just like uh, those mm, tiger eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. out of the tiger. In, in uh, that uh, interpretation, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the spider or the tiger in this poem represents evil and beauty. It represents both of them. Uh, Force of the night represents the challenges that you don't know are out there. So, like those unseen challenges that you know await you in the in the forest night. And fear for symmetry is like the the coexistence of both good and evil. So if you take that concept, it applies extremely heavily to the context of the story. So it was really a a perfect kind of poem for Craven to utilize in the story. Um, But yeah, that that is how uh, the story ends. Uh, That is Craven's last hunt. Uh, one of the quintessential Spider-Man stories. I just realized that is exactly what it says on the dust jacket. I did not mean to quote it. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep, there it is. Uh, but no, th- this is, in my opinion, one of the greatest Peter Parker Spider-Man stories ever written. It's why it's oh, stood yeah. the test of time for, for so long. Uh, I mean, I think it's just so fucking gripping and it's really telling, and it's one of the best characterizations I've seen. Oh, it, this is the best characterization I've seen of Craven. Uh, no one else has gone so in depth with the character, and to such unique roundabout places too, because they didn't do so in like a classic, easy to foretell, easy and almost predictable means. Craven's story and how he gets to where he ends is so unpredictable, mm-hmm. so out there. That only Craven of all the rogue gallery of Spider-Man could have done this. Yeah, Craven, and I, I can see why they wanted to use uh, personages like uh, Joker beforehand to tell the story, because mm-hmm. you need an out there, far-reaching mentality to finish telling something like this, where it's like uh, a man, in this case Craven, who has such care about this objective of besting someone who's bested him and regaining that honor, regaining that family pride he was talking about um, and going to such lengths to do it. That way there's no doubt. There's no sliver of despair in his mind that, oh, maybe Spider-Man could have done. No, he did everything in his mind Spider-Man could not do. 
yeah. to the past and even recent past events, he outright outplayed Spider-Man completely. Oh, yeah. And, and essentially, and literally, put him in the dirt <laughs> and said, I'm better than you. Yeah. I got nothing left. Go on. I know you got to go catch him. Just know... I beat you. I beat you. He was right. Frank Miller's Batman to, to <laughs> Superman. Right. I want you to remember right. on this day. The one man who beat you. The one ma- yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, that's telling and yeah. chilling. It is. Of course, Spider-Man runs away from that, mm-hmm. always remembering that. You yeah. know? Like, in Craven's definition and in Craven's world and his perception, and he's not wrong in this. Yeah. He defeated Spider-Man. Craven beat Spider-Man. And, and like, Craven... Even told Spider-Man, like, well, yeah, I didn't literally kill you, but I could have if I wanted yeah, to. It's but like the, the death isn't yeah, the... Th- that's not the thing. Like, the thing that's for not Craven, the objective. Yeah. For, for Craven, it was like, you needed to know. I needed I yeah. needed for you to know, Spider-Man, that, it, that you were beaten. Yeah. It I wasn't, hey, you. I need to kill Spider-Man. I need to defeat right. Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. The most effective defeats don't only happen on the field. Right. You know, and Craven, uh, Craven fucking took that to heart, dude. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, he, he definitely did, man. And don't um, get me wrong. The shit he does to prepare himself mentally <laughs> are so fucking weird. Never in my mind would I think, okay, I'm going into a tournament or I'm going to do like a, a boxing thing or a wrestling thing, whatever have you, or I'm going to do like a, a pool tournament or something, whatever. Um, fill in the blank. I need to understand and know my opponent this well to like attempt to quote become them in such drastic, extravagant ways of like baiting and feasting on spiders, on forcing hallucinogenics into your system to to really like have like essentially an acid trip, like um, um, vision quest on you know overcoming what they quote are. Yeah, no. Very strange. <laughs> However, you can't argue the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually really like those aspects of the book. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's fascinating because you don't get that anywhere else. Yeah. We haven't covered a story at all that has a villain go to such strange and foreign places. Um, it's not that I don't like them. Don't, mm. don't mishear me, please. But they are strange to me. Mm. And I think that's the important thing here. They're strange to most of us, to all of us. It's just fucking Craven being the master hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, that is uh, Craven's last hunt. Um, I did want to pose like one more one more question to you. So like there, there were like a small pocket of people. I guess I don't, I don't know what size it was, but I imagine a pretty small pocket of people. Uh, m- most most people who read the story. You know, they, at the time, even they called it an instant classic. They said this is going down as one of the greatest Spider-Man stories ever. Okay. And over thirty years later, people are still saying it. Uh, but there was a small pocket of people who said that they thought this uh, this story glorified suicide. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I uh. I mean, so 
I, I feel like we've talked about this in so many ways already in, in episodes past, mm-hmm. you know. If, if one were to study and truly know and behold the canonization of what you and I have discussed, we've already talked about this before. But to reiterate some of those words, uh, I'll go ahead and share it now. On a surface level, those interpretations are not wrong. Mm. You know, this, this book does use suicide as a, as a device plot to, um, plot device, pardon, <laughs> reverse those words, to get a very heavy and symbolic point across. Now, if you were to just look at this story as a passing and a collective series of events, then yes, that is an open shut Craven then killed himself in a finality. In his own, I am done, I have lived my life to its fullest extent, thus this is the only thing left for me to do. Sure, you can choose to interpret it that way. Would you be wrong? Not at all. But there is a lot of underlying layers to this book that really also depict why and how that came to pass. And that's equally important to understand as are the events of the story. You can't just look at this book and think, oh, this is this is a normal story. Fuck no, it's never been a normal story. It's very, very heavy, dripping with symbolism, as many are that we cover on the show. So, yes, it, it uses suicide as a plot device, and I, I suppose, fuck me, device plot. Fuck, that, no, plot nope, device. Plot yeah. device yeah. My brain's all <laughs> over the place. I'm drinking too much kombucha. But... Technically, I challenge the same interpretations uh, that we're talking about here. Don't any stories with such a dark and unfortunate and disastrous means, uh, in other words, any story that includes suicide, are they not doing something similar? Mm. Like, are we trying to bastardize that at all from happening in stories? Just blackening out that whole idea, that concept, just trying to forebode it in our thought process entirely from these fictional writings. Is that what we're trying to do here? Because this isn't the only story we've ever covered on the show yeah. that has someone off themselves. Right. You know, and that is unfortunate, and I'm, I'm never going to celebrate that, you know. Yeah. But at the same time here, those interpretations are fooling themselves at not trying to understand why and how Craven said, this is what I'm going to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. I I think for me, honestly, even on a surface level, I wholeheartedly disagree with those claims. Hmm. Like, those are people who, yeah, I mean, fuck it. Like, even if you're one of those people listening and you think that way, I think that you're looking for something to be upset about. There's I, I always that too. I, yeah, like, this is my third time reading the story in completion. Like, I don't see how you come to that conclusion because in that case, do you even read comic books at all? Because they glorify violence. Do they glorify violence to you? Well, uh, there, there's fighting and, and there's surely there's more pacifist ways to do this. Sure. So I'll tell you how mm-hmm. they came to this conclusion because the story included it. <laughs> Quite but, seriously, that's all I mean. Like the story included suicide, thus it glorified it. That's that's all it oh. is. Because in that case, like you're talking about, mm-hmm. they're looking for something to be upset about. Yes, they're looking for things that they don't believe should be in stories. Mm. That's not always the case. Yeah. Sometimes we need to know of these things so we can know to avoid them. Right. 
Yeah, and and you know, like that's like uh, you know certain books being uh, edited because of like the gratuitous use of of uh, uh, racist language or, or even racist events. I'm like, no, keep that shit in there so y'all can remember what the, how fucked up shit was. Exactly. Like, uh, don't tell, don't take uh, which schools were trying to take out To Kill a Mockingbird because yeah. that's like too harsh a read for students. Now get the fuck. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so th- that's really where I'm at with that. I'm like, if, if you're going to say that, like, if you're going to read the story, which I don't think that these people did, and come oh, away, no. and come away yeah. with the conclusion no. that, come with the conclusion that, oh, this glorifies uh, suicide. And you know what else? Why? Because, again, I have to mention, uh, I guess, get rid of all comic books because do you believe in violence? Do you think comic books glorify violence? There's punching in every comic book. Oh, and some so, of them in, uh, include sex. Some Heaven include forbid sex, we, uh, yeah. you know, glorify that. Yeah, do you glorify that? Is that glorifying sex? At that point, we're arguing the beginning foundational bricks of a dystopian future. Yeah. And that's fucked up. It no is. thanks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, like, on, on top of that is, like, I've, I have seen things that do glorify suicide. I remember I actually watched this show on Netflix a few years ago, 13 Reasons Why. You watched that? Oh, yeah. I did not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, season we'll, one. We'll I, talk I, about haven't that seen, later. Yeah, I haven't mm-hmm. seen season two. Um, but yeah, I watched season one when it came out. That shit was glorifying uh, suicide, if anything, I've ever seen. Like, that was a hmm. terrible interpretation of, like, I, I would hate to be, like, a, a depressed teen watching this. Like, I'd be like, this is a great idea. No. <laughs> I mean, it... The, the way it played out was just all about, you know, how this act immortalizes somebody almost in a positive light when, I mean, it's, this is such a heavy thing. And it's like the suicide here in this book is handled with so much, you know, reverence and dignity on the part of Craven. And it's like, this was, this was a man who was ill. This was a man who was sick this was a man who, who has a history of mental illness in his family. And drug abuse. <laughs> oh, well, Homeopathic, but, but drug so abuse. We, we, it depends on your definition of drug. Like, if, if you're the type of person who... Brother, I, if he I, acid I think, trips and fought a mother spider, nah, <laughs> something's wrong. I, something's wrong. I, I, I am of the nature that uh, there are natural poisons, there are no natural drugs. Uh, okay, he was a poison abuser then, <laughs> who abused poison to... Fuck up his brain. His brain cells were not right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, so uh, long story short, I don't think that this book glorifies suicide. I, no. thought, I think that's a very uh, silly sentiment. But the reason I do mention that is because that's uh, one of the primary reasons why J.M. DeMattis and, uh, and Mike Zett came back to do the sequel, I think in 92, called mm-hmm. The Soul of the Hunter. Uh, the Soul of, Soul of the Hunter isn't as acclaimed as uh, Craven's Last Hunt, but I actually still thought that it was pretty damn good. Like, it, it, it to me, like that, uh, it, it still dealt with a lot of heavy things that I think was good uh, to see Peter go through. Like, to see Peter go through the, the PTSD of it, the trauma of yeah. it. And then also, it, it made sense for it to finally unfold and to, to realize that Peter feels guilty about Craven's death. That makes sense for Peter. Yeah. Uh, so there were a lot of really cool aspects about the soul of the hunter that I liked. There were some things that I think were maybe a little too heavy, uh, because they really tried to, you know, I guess draw attention away from 
the glorifying suicide thing. Like they were too afraid of, I guess, the critics in that regard. I can see that. Almost so, like trying to soft sell back. Yeah. And it's like, so in that regard, I almost wish you had left it at Craven's last hunt and let that be that. But Or at for, least have the balls to carry through what you did before. Yeah, the same, same, yeah, yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah. 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 I mean and, and again, like so Soul of the Hunter, it, it is included in the deluxe edition, guys. So if you pick it up, I would definitely check it out. Like it's 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 definitely it's it's good. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think well keeping it ambiguous because we're not talking about that story, but I think my one of my favorite parts of that though was is at the end and Mary Jane telling Peter that, you know, because of your suppressed trauma and all that and because of, like your 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 lack of sleep and eating like that could lead to some serious, mm-hmm. you know, delusion. Like your brain really filling in things for you that you needed to work through. And and Peter goes, Mary Jane, you have to understand. I I don't want to talk about it, but it's not because I'm afraid of it. It's not like last time. I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to minimize what that event meant to me. And. Mm-hmm. That's so, fair. Yeah, and I I thought that was uh, the best way to handle the ending of uh, of the Soul of the Hunter. Yeah, so, uh, but no, all around uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed Craven's Last Hunt. I think that uh, for any any comic book fan, this is definitely one that you guys got to check out. Hell yeah! Uh, but oh. that's all I have for this one, man. You got anything else? Uh, one more thing yeah. here. Shout out to the homie Sean who uh, sent us that Facebook message. Uh, hopefully, brother man, you've appreciated tonight's episode. Um, and got a good chance to listen to it hit us up back you know let us know also our timing together was like brain synchronized did you know what i'm talking about sean sent us a message today mm, yeah, 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 yeah 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 uh asking us to cover hey can you guys talk about craven well by golly gee can we you know that was literally the thing we had loaded in the chamber next so yeah. perfect yeah he uh he asked about that today or are you talking about a few weeks ago no he asked it today too like, like, he sent us a message today? today, yeah. Oh. Like, I pulled it up and everything. Check it out. Yeah. See? Like, that was sent... Uh, right there. Yeah. Yep. 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 The thing that oh, says yeah. December 9th. Yep. Mm-hmm. I just realized yep. I said December 9th. Because when I pulled it up, I didn't realize he only sent the pictures today. Yeah. So I think he sent, the, he yeah. sent us the pictures today. Well, Sean, here you go. You you asked us to December 9th. Here we are today. So, Craven talked about it. I thought Sean sent us a message again. Like, hey, maybe you guys forgot. Can you cover Craven? You know, uh, we didn't forget. We're right here. How ironic it is that we have a podcast where part of it is about reading stuff. How? Get out. Get out. Also, when I pull up the message, that's all I saw. Right there. Hey, right you, there. you don't have to convince right. me of anything, all right? I ain't convincing I, you I'm, of shit. I'm on your side here. Yeah, okay. Get out. <laughs> Go to bed. Oh, man. It's not a podcast if I don't bust your balls. Yeah, that's true. Oh, man. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, shout out to you, Sean. And thank you for the recommendation to cover uh, Craven. You know, we figured we'd do it in the form of one of the most prolific Craven and Spider-Man stories ever. So we hope that you, uh, hope that you like this one, man. Uh, we had a blast uh, reviewing this, and definitely, homies, if any of you guys out there have any kind of requests for us that you want to hear us talk about, then definitely let us know. Um, we got some big things lined up, guys, but we're always trying to plan out for the future. So hit us up and let us know what you guys want to hear. Yep, yep, yep. And then, of course, feel free to tune back in very soon here. We're going to be doing our shorties 
WandaVision uh, coming up here again. We'll be doing uh, episode four. Episodes one, two, and three are already available for the past two weeks. Um, yeah, feel free to hit us up. Let us know what you think of those as well. Uh, those shows, uh, WandaVision, it is on Disney+. Plus. So if you have the streaming service, feel free to watch and come and listen with us. Let us think uh, together on what happened on the screen. Yes. Together, guys, we can figure out this mystery. It's like Watchmen all over again. We can do this. And a mystery it is. Yes. And we do not have all the clues yet, so uh, to be continued. Yes. That's what we love about it. Hell yeah. Uh, that, that is all we have for this one, guys. But thank you, thank you, thank you again for listening in. But until next time, my name is Superhero Homie Q. And I am Superhero Homie Kevin.